3: the podcast. Today, we may be turning what you believe about child molesters really upside down, exposing a side of this that you rarely hear about. When the molesters are women, even mothers, here's Greg Milligan's graphic description of what happened to him every day as a little boy.
2: This was my childhood home where my oldest brother, my youngest sister, lived with our mother. This is where it all started. I had never really known my father. My mother uh, was my world. She was all I knew. The physical abuse started long before the sexual abuse. The sexual abuse started about when I was eight years old. Back then, it was fondling, touching, making me touch my mother. When perhaps she thought she could take it further, she did. And she would make me have sex with her, moving my body against hers. And if I did not respond physically, She would beat me, choke me, hit me, throw me from the bedroom. I had to help her reach orgasm. I absolutely had to. Until that happened, I was a prisoner in her bed. And it was this awful screeching sound she would make when she finally reached orgasm. And then she would hit me and push me. I would go to bed that night. I could not get the smell of her off my hands. That was the worst smell. By the time I was 9 and 10, it just seemed, it felt consensual. I just, I wanted to die. I wanted to be rid of this ugly feeling of
0: being my mother's lover.
3: So we're talking about a 10-year-old boy, 10 years old. Greg's mother died nearly 14 years ago, but he just recently came out of the shadows to tell his story. You know, we don't hear about mother-son abuse very often. That doesn't mean that it isn't happening. Um, And we just heard you say that by the time you were 10, that your mother's uh, abuse was feeling consensual. And is that because it felt pleasurable to you?
2: It wasn't because it felt pleasurable. Mm -hmm. Uh, It never did. Mm -hmm. It it was actually awful for me. Mm -hmm. The reason was because my body began to respond biologically to Mm -hmm. the stimulus. Meaning you would get an erection. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Before that, it was uh, primarily fondling Mm -hmm. because I was unable to uh, obtain an erection or uh, certainly maintain one. As I grew older in my body, uh, matured mm-hmm. uh, physically, it responded physically.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And very confusing because I could not disassociate between the biological response my body was making naturally to my mind's ability to say it was consensual or not consensual.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Did you think that this was normal? Did you think it was normal? Yes. Uh, my you thought mom... all little boys were having sex with their mothers. But and I only ask that because I think when you are being molested in this way, you don't have a language for it. See, like now as an adult, you can stand and say when she would screech and have the orgasm. But when you're a little boy, you don't have the you don't know what that is. Right. Right. Absolutely. Right. You don't have the language for what this is. Later, when you're able
2: to articulate
3: it, it's different. But as a
2: child, yeah. It seems that this is how a parent would react to their child. I thought all boys were having this type of relationship with their mothers.
3: And so how was she able to um, seduce you? Was there a seduction process for you, or was she just you know, beating you into submission at first?
2: With me, it was the beating. The beatings were consistent. When the sexual abuse started, Mm-hmm. They started as any beating would start, except there was a very distinctive wording that would would occur. Like what? My mother would say when I was to be beaten, she would use an expletive and say, come here. Or she would tell me to stand there while she beat me. But when the sexual abuse started, she would say, mother, needs you. Mm. It was more manipulative, mm-hmm. gentle.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: much more gentle
3: and then after she had reached orgasm she would then be angry or what
2: well the beatings were worse if she did not reach orgasm mm-hmm. so i tried very hard i tried very hard to help her reach orgasm because the quicker she did mm-hmm. i was able to leave and go to my own room mm-hmm. the
3: but uh, let me just ask you this and i listen i know that part of the shame of molestation is that so many people who were lured, seduced, uh, and molested, in the beginning felt pleasure from that because sexual pleasure is sexual pleasure. I, I always say this. Imagine yourselves in your very first sexual experience and somebody is touching you sexually. If they are doing that in a loving, nurturing way, that is supposed to feel good. That is supposed to feel good. That is why everybody is doing it, because it is supposed to feel good. And if you're a child and you, you, you don't even know what that is, you know, your body's never even sensed that before. There are all of these, you know, you know, newly aroused feelings. I'm sure that feels good, unless somebody is trying to hurt you.
2: If my mother had been gentle and kind and sweet I'm sure the experience would have been much different. Mm-hmm. But because it was associated with uh, the brutality of the physical mm-hmm. abuse mm-hmm. and her anger mm-hmm. when she could not reach orgasm and her, di- her dismissiveness, mm-hmm. if she did and when she did reach orgasm, it was, get out. Get out. And uh, followed with, you did this to me, she would tell me that I seduced her. Mm-hmm.
3: This was my doing. I initiated
2: it, and mm-hmm. I certainly believe that. That has
3: got to be hell for a little boy 10 years old. So weren't you completely confused? Absolutely. Yeah. At first I did. Did you think that was love is what I'm asking?
2: At first I did. At first you did. Absolutely. It was much different than the physical abuse. Mm-hmm. So, at first, Do we have
3: was... a picture of Greg at 10 years old? Do we have a picture of him at 8 or 10 years old? Can we put that picture up here? And the reason why I would like to do that is because every person who has been abused in the world and holds yourself responsible, go back and look at a picture of yourself at that age and ask yourself how that child could have stopped it. You couldn't have stopped it. There's nothing you could have done. Ask yourself how, as, a, as whatever age it happened for you, how it could possibly be your fault when you look at the picture of so yourself. What do you see when you look at that picture of yourself?
2: I see a young boy who was given absolutely no choice uh, but to allow this to happen. And you make a a point where you said, you couldn't have stopped it. I would not have stopped it. Mm -hmm. My mother was the center of my universe. I trusted
3: her. Mm -hmm. I loved her. As I've said before, people think molesters are monsters in the bushes. There are some hiding in the bushes. A few are hiding in the bushes, but that is not the majority of abuse that's going on in our country. The abuser here was Greg's mother. In many cases, it's someone's father, uncle, cousin. It's babysitters, men and women, and that's what you need to know.
2: This was my childhood home. This is where it all started.
3: Greg says as a child, he was physically tortured and violently raped by his mother. It's been 35 years since he escaped, but Greg's abusive past continues to torment him.
2: I'm, I'm working on it. I'm really working on it. But right now, at 46, I'm still inside this
3: house. Why do you feel stuck inside that house? What
2: was taken from me in any child that was abused will always be gone forever. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, so part of you died in there.
2: Absolutely, part of me was taken. Mm-hmm. The innocence that every child deserves a chance to be innocent, mm-hmm. to grow up innocent. That's taken.
3: Did you ever tell anyone outside your family? Because I keep saying to kids, tell, 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 tell. Was there anybody you could have told?
2: Before the age of 11, absolutely not. There was There were certainly teachers that I could have gone to and told. But I was deathly afraid of my mother. This was my world, my universe, even though the house was uh, Uh, and that the clothes were rags and there was barely enough food, it was still shelter to me, and this was still the only parent I had. Mm -hmm. And my mother was to be feared. She was feared in the neighborhood. I was certainly afraid of her, and I was afraid if anyone found out. It wasn't just that I would be taken away from my mother. It was the absolute shame of admitting that the the sexual abuse was taking place.
3: Mm So even today, is it harder for you to say or easier to say, I was abused by my mother than I had sex with my mother?
2: Easier to say I was abused. Mm-hmm. While going through therapy over the years and talking to other men who were sexually abused by either their mother or another uh, family member, it's easier for them and me to admit to the physical abuse mm-hmm. than the sexual abuse.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're actually, I think, in all the years that I've been doing this, the only person I recall who, at such an early age, was forced to have actual physical intercourse with their mother. So it is um, interesting for me to talk to somebody who's had that experience and what that experience does to you. What do you think it did to you?
2: Well, the experience itself was, my mother controlling my body. She was much, even though she was a very small woman, I was a very small boy, uh, very close to emaciated. She would control my physical body and make me move to what she wanted Mm -hmm. what to to pleasure her. Mm -hmm. So the experience was like the physical abuse, only worse, where I was being controlled to do something that was incredibly confusing Mm -hmm. that was forcing my body to react to a stimulus that scared me. Mm -hmm. And it forced me to completely shut off what was going on at that particular time. It wasn't my mother doing this. Mm -hmm. This was the only person I loved that I had in this world, so I would pretend it was someone else.
3: Right, because you needed your mother. And yet when we look at these pictures of you as a boy, this is what is so interesting about all of our lives as we move through the world, is that you never know the story behind the smile. So we look at the pictures and you take the pictures in school and you go to school every day. And what would people have thought when they saw you in school every day, in class every day?
2: What I wanted them to think, I was normal. Mm. Nothing was going on out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I crave normalcy. Mm-hmm. I wanted acceptance. I wanted to be like the other children.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.
3: Greg says, after a year of being raped by his own mother, the abuse took an even more dreadful turn. If you can imagine, it got worse. My mother frequently solicited
2: men in the neighborhood, prostituted herself at local pubs, no more than a half a mile away. The, the sexual abuse started When I was about eight years old, that was the first time was with my mother. And the men soon followed after that. My mother would justify prostituting me out by telling me that if I didn't, we would not eat. We would go hungry. We would lose the house and we'd be on the street. Her main threat was the men would come back and cut off my genitals. And, and I, I believed her.
3: Your mother sounds like a monster, you know? So how long had your mother been a prostitute?
2: I first, recall my mother beginning to prostitute herself as early as
3: seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you were seven? When I was seven. So tell us about the first time. Because again, I say this for all of you who are watching, not just to hear Greg's story and be, you know, vicariously into his life, but how his information can can help you. When children are being um, seduced first to be molested, they don't have the language for it. You, there's not words to say this person is trying to seduce me or this person's trying. They don't have the words for it. So when you say to some a child, "Have you been molested?" that doesn't mean anything because I don't know what that means as a child, what that word means as a child. So can you tell us what your first experience of being prostituted, you know, by a a man who comes to your house? Do you recall? How old were you then?
2: I was between the ages of, I believe, eight and Mm 9 So on this particular evening, a man came over. The money exchanged hands. My mother left, but she told me to stay. I stayed in the living room, and at that particular time, the the man began to undress me mm-hmm. and perform fellatio on me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I struggled desperately not to allow my body to react mm-hmm. to the stimulus, mm-hmm. and I was successful. That evening, the man grew frustrated. Uh, he left the house. She was then
3: how old remind us again? It's
2: about eight years old. Mm-hmm. And it became worse when I got older and sometimes I couldn't control the biological response to the stimulus.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: That was obviously the, that was the worst.
3: That was the worst. Tell me why.
2: Whenever I could not control my body's natural reaction to... Meaning an erection. An erection mm-hmm. to the stimulus, it always felt like it was my fault. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to happen.
3: Mm -hmm. I so understand that. I really understand that. Do you now understand? Okay, let's look back at that picture, please. Do you understand how that little boy, that little boy could not possibly, could not possibly be responsible? You do now understand that?
2: Yes, it took years. Yeah. But yes, I do now.
3: But at the time when your body betrays you and the physical erection happens, you think, okay, it looks... And and also, as we know now and as you know, that is what the abusers tell themselves. When your body responds, whether you're male or female, or you respond in any way to it, the abuser uses that to say, you liked it, you wanted it, therefore it's okay.
2: As a matter of fact, that not only did the body respond, but you're absolutely right. The abusers did tell me,
3: you
2: you liked this. you liked it. My mother would echo that. You liked it, become uh, as a matter of fact, my mother would convince me and certainly try very hard to convince me that it would not have happened had I not responded sexually, Mm -hmm. whether it was her with other men.
3: So, in spite of all of this, and I, you know, wanted to just also make clear to everybody who's listening to your story that this is horrific. I mean, this is your mother's definitely was a damaged person who obviously had a lot of pain in her life and didn't know how to love her children. Um, But for every child um, to to whom this happens, the sexual act itself, from my experience, is minor compared to the emotional uh, and spiritual damage that is done to your spirit because of this. Absolutely. Would you agree? Wholeheartedly. Yeah. That the act itself is absolutely, you know, infinitesimal compared to the shame. Would you agree? The shame is crushing. The shame is what destroys you. Absolutely. And it's the shame that then changes the way you are as a human being and therefore act and react to everything in your life.
2: And it has certainly caused me and did cause me to act and react much differently. Uh, Because of the shame, the weight of the shame, Mm -hmm. I withheld. I was emotionally uh, and academically, I started out with a huge deficit. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I was afraid to interact normally with young boys. If I did play with a young boy, not only did my mother press this upon me, but uh, that I was somehow doing something immoral, perverted. I was homosexual. But I also believe that was not normal behavior to find affection or normal behavior in terms of friendship with other boys.
3: Don't you think it's a marvel that you're alive and you're sane and that you're able to go forth with your life and marry and to somehow put a normal life together? Isn't that a miracle?
2: There's definitely something bigger and better than all of us out there. In the photo album, there are pictures of me and my siblings, forced smiles, threatened with a beating if we didn't smile and look happy. But you need to look at those photos really closely. You'll see the bruises. You'll see some scars. You'll see the greasy hair, the uncut clothes. You'll see just at the corner of our mouths is fear. And that's how it was. It was fear. That's exactly what the abusers want you to feel.
3: Yeah, they want you to feel fear so that you never tell. Greg's abuser from age four to 11 was his own mother. He says there were clear signs that something horrible was going on in their home, yet no one in the neighborhood ever said a word or stepped in to help, because nobody wants to cause trouble.
2: Neighbors saw what my mother did to her children And they would tell their children to stay away from us. So we were further ostracized and cut off from the outside world. My mother, because of her advanced alcoholism, could not control her own bowels. She would defecate herself and urinate while walking up and down this neighborhood, screaming obscenities. Once they heard my last name, they would say, oh, is your mother the whore? Is your mother the crazy woman? There were obvious signs that I was abused, emaciated. Uh, My clothing smelled awful. And went by many nicknames, uh, stinky, smelly. One nickname was brains, because I couldn't read or write. I couldn't tell time. Uh, They made fun of me uh, continuously. If you really wanted to hurt somebody make a joke that that young boy is having sex with his mother. And it was meant, obviously, in jest. No one thought that was certainly going on or even fathom that that could even be possible at that age. But it was with me. It was.
3: And what would you do when somebody would make a joke like that, laugh it off? I would joke along with yeah, them. you'd probably be the one laughing the loudest. Absolutely, mm-hmm. to appear as normal as possible. To appear as normal as possible, which again is what every child wants. Is just what you said to us earlier. For those of you who are watching and thinking about your own, every child just wants to fit in and be normal. Absolutely. So even though they're calling you stinky, and even though you're going to school and you're so far behind, you can't even tell time when you're, you know, ten years old. You still just want to be normal. Greg's sister, April, is also here. And um, she says she was also sexually abused by their mother. Now, what is the difference in age between the two of you? Two years apart. Two years. You're younger?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You're younger. The baby. And obviously, or did you know that there, he was being abused? Did you know this was going on?
4: I knew something was going on, but I was instructed to stay in my room at all times. You
3: didn't have the language for it. Correct. Yeah. So how did the abuse with you start? She would come in, grab my hand, bring me into her bedroom. And
4: to me, it was going in sleeping with mom, spending time with mom. She would um, make me fondle her vagina. Mm -hmm. And then she would do the same to me. Mm -hmm. And And this
3: went on for how long, April?
4: This went on for, as far as I remember, a couple years Mm -hmm. until, Greg stepped in, and thank God he did. My Savior saved my life. Um, Said, no more. You're not going to do that to my sister.
3: And unfortunately, he took the abuse for it. So tell me, what happened there, Greg? What happened? Uh,
2: Man came to the house. Uh, I anticipated it was either for me Mm
3: -hmm.
2: or my mother. And at that particular time, after the money exchange hands. How old were you? I was about nine, so April was seven. Mm -hmm. And my mother called April out of her room. She came into the living room. This was, this never happened before. Mm -hmm. She then instructed me to follow her to her bedroom. Your mother? My mother. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: And is going to leave April in the room with the man? Correct. Mm -hmm. I grabbed April.
2: I. Walked her down the hallway. My mother grabbed me, slammed me up against the wall. I told her, uh, told April to hide. You told April to hide, and she did. And uh, I went out to uh, the living room and stood there. And and my mother told me to go through with it. She retired to her bedroom, and. The man took
3: advantage of me instead. Mm -hmm. So you put yourself in as a substitute for your seven-year-old sister. It was that. That was the best decision I ever made. Mm -hmm. And so then did your mother... Was that the last time she tried to have April prostituted?
2: Yes. I I made it so difficult for her. How so? After the man left, my mother came out, beat me in the living room, told me to never get in the way again. I told my mother I wouldn't let it happen. I really spoke up to my mother.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I told her that I wouldn't allow this in my own childlike words. And it became so difficult for her to make the arrangements because I made sure to insert myself somehow.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: If a man was coming over, I would tell my mother, I'll do this. My mother would say, no, you come to bed with me. You're going to your own room. And I would say no, and that's all it took, just one word, no. She would beat me, grow tired, and she would never try again.
3: Did you know that he was protecting you at the time? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Did you know what he was protecting you from Mm -hmm. at the time? You did. I did. At seven?
4: I mean, I well, I knew something as a child, as we all would as a child, something's not right. As far as touching, you know, we're all taught, you know, uh, certain private areas are, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
4: not allowed. So, with that said, I knew I, with my mother, when that would happen sexually, I was def- definitely afraid of her. Mm-hmm. Um, I, would run and hide, do whatever I could to stay away from her.
3: Mm -hmm. Were you afraid of the other men also coming to the house?
4: I knew when a man arrived, then I would, this was not a good feeling. I would look up to him and, what do I do?
2: Mm -hmm. The house, the house smelled like sex all the time. Sex and whiskey and wine and and I had to get us out I had to get all three of us out me and my brother and my sister because there was going to be a day when I wouldn't be there and April would be raped and it would be all my fault
3: when did the abuse stop Greg
2: when I was 11 and we were removed from the home and the abuse itself stopped but obviously the the shame went on for years. So after. were
3: you all taken out of the home? Yes. Mm-hmm. And taken where?
2: I spent two weeks stealing money from my mother's purse, mm-hmm. running down to a corner store and using a pay phone to call an older sister. And the best I could muster, generally weeping, I would choke out the words, you need to come get us, come save us, mm-hmm. you need to come help us. And after two weeks, an elder sister actually did come and physically remove us from the house.
3: And so, in all these years, uh, your mother died. How many years ago again? Ninety-six. Ninety-six. In all those years, what then was your relationship would like with your mother? Did you have a confused, tormented relationship? I.
2: My relationship with my mother was still mm-hmm. one that I worried very much about her and loved her very much. Mm-hmm. Wondered often if she was okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Certainly. I avoided her. I was still deathly afraid of her.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Recently, uh, as we were going in and preparing for the show, a picture was shown to me at my college graduation where my mother is standing next to me. I honestly don't remember my mother being there. I completely shut her off from my life. I certainly didn't communicate with her, didn't try to communicate with her. I was still very much afraid of her, even as an adult.
3: Mm -hmm. But it's so interesting, and I think important for all of um, you all to know, that when you're being abused by somebody whom you've trusted or whom you rely on, or who is a member of your family, whom you love, who you believe is supposed to care about you, it is very confusing because children love even the abuser. Even the abuser. And I know that for most people, it's like, well, if somebody is causing that kind of harm to you, why wouldn't you resent them, hate them, not want to be around them, all of those things? But that's what's so confusing about it because this person loves me sometimes, or this person has the label of my father, my sister, my cousin, my brother. And so I'm, I'm supposed to love that person, but yet this person did this to me, and then sometimes they're nice to me. That's what's so confusing and shameful about it. Absolutely.
2: Every nightmare starts the same. I feel my mother forcing me to have sex with her. I see her better face before mine. I can smell her breath, the wine mixed with whiskey. I would wake up from these nightmares, clawing at the bed, screaming weeping, shouting out. They're vivid and they're real. And it's every night.
3: This is Greg's wife, Sarah. What happens when he has a nightmare, Sarah?
4: Greg will cry out. Um, He uh, struggles, makes struggling movements. Mm -hmm. He makes uh, choked out cries. Very fearful noises for help.
3: So mm-hmm. then, do you wake him up?
4: S- Sometimes I
3: will wake him up or uh, hold him.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Or hold him. So, how do you begin to put a life back together? Because, as I, we were talking about earlier, Greg, one of the biggest ramifications of being sexually abused is the shame and the guilt and what that does to your life. And for a lot of people you know for every single person is differently so when i'm speaking i'm speaking in broad generalities and i know that the same thing doesn't happen for all people but for a lot of people they cannot have intimate communication and for some other people like for me i became a promiscuous teenager i was the opposite you know looking for love in all the wrong places as a as a teenager so how did it manifest for you as a
2: teenager and into my 20s as well becoming a- Incredibly promiscuous. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't last in a relationship very long where mm-hmm. I had multiple relationships going on
3: at the same time. Mm-hmm. So how did y'all meet?
4: We met at work.
3: Oh. <laughs> Love work. <laughs> <laughs> break all barriers. So you met at work. Yes. How soon into the relationship did you hear about all this? This is enough to make you pack up and start running. <laughs> oh, never, <laughs> never.
4: Um, I would say, I, I, honestly, I, I don't remember. I think it was about a year, maybe, uh, or so, when Greg and I first started seeing one another. He was very, very quiet and kept to himself a
3: lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Were you afraid to tell her Absolutely. what had happened to you? Yeah.
2: It was more the fear of shame.
3: Fear of shame. Yeah.
2: Uh, but definitely afraid to tell her.
3: Mm-hmm. And what were you afraid of?
2: That she would judge me or, or find me to be perverted.
3: Mm-hmm. So do you have to, Would you have to wait until you were in a relationship where you really believed you could, you know, openly trust the person before you began to share this part of yourself?
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The, the same trust and love I had for my abuser, my mother, uh, which was an unhealthy trust and love, I had to wait until I felt that the trust and love I had for someone else felt right and healthy and safe.
3: Yes. And also, the part of the ramifications and devastation of sexual abuse is if you've been abused by somebody who you trusted and loved, who was supposed to trust and love you, somebody as close to you as your mother, you then don't know who you can trust and love. That's the problem. And you don't. And you don't. You don't trust anyone. Yeah. Because if you can't trust your mother, or your father, or your closest family members. Who can you trust? That is the problem. Despite everything that happened before his 12th birthday, 12 years old he was, Greg went on to graduate from high school and college and got his master's degree. That is amazing. And you told our producer that... uh, You told our producer... That education, education saved you. How so?
2: Education saved me because it allowed me to become more independent, more functional, a contributing member of society, and people started paying more attention to what I had to say, especially when
3: I said I needed help. Mm. Greg has a 23-year-old son. Hello, son. Hi. What's your name?
2: Greg the second.
3: Greg the Greg the (laughs) Second. So when you hear that your father has been through this, what what does that do to you? Makes
2: me sad. I I do love him. He's a great father. I don't know if everyone can say this, but he's really easy to talk to. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. So has being a father helped you to heal yourself?
2: Absolutely. One of my greatest fears was that I would Turn out like my parents mm-hmm. and being able to raise my son with love and he knows no violence, it really affirmed that I just
3: this might be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That it can be done. It can be done. And that every abused every abused child does not have to become an abuser. It's a choice.
2: It's a choice.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And We need more people making the choice not to abuse.
3: We need all the help we can get. Yeah, we do need all the help we can get. Well, thank you so much, Greg, for for being here. And Sarah and you, April, and Greg II. Greg is a spokesperson for RAINN, R-A-I-N-N. It's the Rape, Abuse and Incest National Network. And if anybody who has heard this story today feels that you now want to talk to someone, about what has happened in your life or is happening to someone in your life, there is their number. 1-800-656-HOPE, HOPE, dial that. Bye, everybody. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, The Podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, The Podcast.
0: at bp.com slash investing in america it's your time
3: join global thought leader executive producer and new york times best-selling author td jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other at the 2024 international leadership summit spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success with world-class discussions breakout sessions and networking opportunities this is where your dreams turn into reality Timing is everything, and your time is now, March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org.